Welcome to the Salvatry Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. We are here to break down the NFL Week 16 Final Thoughts video. We got one more of these next week, the full slate, and then we'll get into the playoffs, of course. Don't worry, I'll be here for those. But we're going to talk about the Week 16 slate in bulk, in depth right now. Thank you for being here. Before we get into it, hit that subscribe button. And to incentivize you to hit that subscribe button, I want to let you know that you can get into a contest for $25, PayPal, Venmo, whatever it is for you people that you get the easiest satisfaction of getting money transferred to $25 if you enter the contest for this video link down below by commenting below and you have to be a subscriber and you have to have the notification bell on comment down below who do you think who do you think is the best quarterback play on the slate the best quarterback play any price range point per dollar best play on the slate let me know what you think you have to be a subscriber hit the notification bell if you're listening on the audio version how those ears doing feel free to do this contest by getting into the reviews over on podcasts apple Podcasts, stitcher whatever it is you can leave another review if you already have and let me know that same answer to the question audio listeners will get three entries into this so be sure to check that out. I have Patreon exclusive content over on Patreon. I have stuff going out there every day. Closing Thoughts podcast shows you where I'm going with all my exposures on Sunday morning, uh, Saturday, Saturday, well, Friday ownership show, Saturday live stream, and a bunch of other things, game by game notes that I do for the NFL also going to be out already are out uh, check out my social medias down below and also check out fantasy draft fantasy draft is running a free roll for if you're watching this before saturday's three game slate three game slate that is linked below free to enter and they're giving away tickets to their nba contest so check that out get in there and then they're also running a free roll for their sunday main contest so there's going to be two links down below to my twitter I and mean, i can't put links in the description otherwise you get banned from youtube now two links down below to my twitter for the Saturday free roll and the Sunday. Be sure to get into those free rolls. They are totally free to enter and you get tickets to the NBA main event as long as you finish in like the top 25, which last time there was like 150 people in there. So you got like a 20% chance. Pretty good odds if you tell me out of all these different contests. So be sure to get in there. Free ticket for NBA. If you're trying to play NBA on Christmas Day, you got another chance to play for free. And that's their big contest. So those are two free rolls down below. Fantasy Draft, they're revolutionizing the way that you do play DFS. They're just eliminating rake. Rake is the percentage that the site takes. They're not taking anything outside of a half of a percentage, 1% at most, a subscription fee compared to the 15% rate, 10, 12, 15, 17% rate that Fantasy Draft and or that FanDuel and uh, DraftKings take. So be sure to get in those free rolls down below. And also comment down below your favorite quarterback play of the slate. Must be a subscriber with the notification bell on. Let's get into the video starting at quarterback. Final thoughts. Look, not a lot changed for me since the Tuesday video. Some things did, added one or two players, but my priorities are still there. We just have to track injury news, mainly Dak Prescott at the top here. Philly ranks 23rd in overall pass coverage. They're fourth in pressure. But the pressure rate for Philadelphia, you saw last week a top five pressure team in the Rams, just stood no chance against the Dallas offensive line. This Dallas offensive line for, what, five years now has been the great neutralizer for, whether it was Tony Romo, whether it's now and has been Dak Prescott, at just stopping pass rushes and allowing their quarterbacks time to throw. Now, there's a negative pass blocking advantage for Dak in this one because of how good Philly's line is, but there was last week too, and that line held up. So I'm fine with playing Dak Prescott as long as he's healthy. Again, they said that they have to see what it looks like to scan. He says that he's playing no matter what. Dr. Chow, if you follow him, says that he doesn't think it's likely that Dak plays. It seems likely that Dak's going to play in this, which should be a playoff game, unless there's something long-term here for risk. So just track this news. By the time this video comes out, maybe he's not playing. 
If that's the case, I really have no interest in the Philadelphia game. Uh, he's throwing 37.1 times per game right now at 309.6 yards per game. Uh, 37.1 attempts per game, that's about top five on the slate. And the yardage per game is only second to Jameis Winston for a league lead. He's leader in a lot of efficiency categories. I like Dak a lot. Next up is Matt Ryan, 6,200, playing against Jacksonville this this year, uh, Matt Ryan's averaging about 21.5 points per game at the quarterback position. That is top five in the league, top four in the slate. He's throwing 40 times per game. He has been right there with Jameis, right there with Drew Brees. Is just guys chucking the ball. He's second in yards per game on the slate to Dak Prescott. Jacksonville's 30th in pass coverage and dead last in tackling. This is a bad defense that uh, I believe is quitting on defense in the second half of games. Again, they are third worst in pass coverage, 30th, and they're dead last in tackling. That is not a good combination, especially in the second half of games. He has a negative 20% pass blocking advantage this week so it's a disadvantage but that usually happens for Atlanta Uh, their offensive line is bad they've been trying to just shift up the line and also keep tight ends in to help him out a little bit more I don't think they'll have an issue doing that this week against Jacksonville who's about middle of the pack in pass rush Kyler Murray at 6,100. I just want to play this kid but he's been inconsistent Seattle is 12th in coverage and they're 29th in pressure the 29th in pressure is going to equal more rushing yards for a mobile quarterback who's averaging about 40 per game right now. They have no Quandre Diggs. They're, I would say, close to a star safety that they got from the Lions. And Shaq Griffin missed last week, will be questionable this week. So keep an eye on those. that news on Griffin. Jadavian Clowney up front missed last week. Ziggy Ansah, two of their better pass rushers. So there's a lot of injuries on Seattle that will help Kyler Murray. Already Diggs being out will help him. So that 12th ring coverage is a little bit worse than it already is without Quandre Diggs. Will be much worse without Shaq Griffin. I'll probably get to like 6% of 6 to 8 maybe at most of Kyler Murray. I don't want to stack this team. Christian Kirk was the best stacking option, and now they moved him to the outside. And if Shaq Griffin's out there, he's just going to neutralize Kirk. You saw it happen last week. Kirk's just running wind sprints for most of the game down the right side of the field instead of being in the slot where he's going to see a lot more conversion of his targets. So I think Kyler Murray is fine here at 6,100. I prefer Matt Ryan. I prefer Dak. So I'll probably get to like 6% Murray is just in my lineups, and most of them just run him naked. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and if you don't know what that means, it just means not playing with the stack in, in GPPs, and in cash, he's fine. Ryan Fitzpatrick at 6,000. Cincinnati ranks 25th in both pass rush and coverage. He's throwing 40.2 times per game over the last five. He leads Miami in rushing 35.3 yards per game over the last four games. I like Fitzpatrick a lot here at 6,000. The matchup against Cincinnati is fantastic. I like this game a lot for stacking reasons. And as of right now, I have this game as being the fastest pace game on the slate. And they have a 23.75 team implied total. A lot to like here. Drew Brees, look, he's 6,900, and he's probably one of the guys they get to the least. Look, it's just price restrictions. He's expensive at 6,900. Tennessee secondary, Dor Jackson, is going to be practicing this week, so maybe he'll be back. But the secondary is still bottom five on the outsides. Logan Ryan in the slot has been a um, maybe a Pro Bowl snub in this uh, slot. But on the outside, they have bad cornerback play. It's just that I don't want to play anybody in the slot against Logan Ryan. So no Traquan Smith. I really don't want to play Ted Ginn Jr. in a lot of my GPP lineups. Michael Thomas is 9,300, and we'll get to him, but I don't have much interest in rostering him. Uh, he's just expensive at this point. And then Alvin Kamara is 7,500 and 20% owned. And I don't think you have an edge in playing a 20% owned Alvin Kamara, who has been very bad, not breaking anywhere near as many tackles. So it's just an expensive thing here. The price points, I'll have some Drew Brees maybe with Michael Thomas. I don't even know at this point if I'll get there because I'm not getting to a lot of Michael Thomas. $6,900 is, is a fine price point for Brees in a good spot. Tennessee, again, really bad on the outsides, but it's just a pricing thing and a game theory thing. Philip Rivers, I think, is fine this week. Lots of ways to stack him. He doesn't have any mobility. Um, it's worrisome that he just turns the ball over. Last time they turned, last game they turned the ball over seven total times. It's 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 kind of gross and it's scary. But Oakland's defense has been atrocious. They don't have much of a pass rush. Gardner Minshew against Atlanta. Um, so 
Well, finishing up on Philip Rivers, Oakland ranks 27th in coverage and 24th in pressure. Minshaw, I like the rushing upside, third most on the slate at 25 yards per game. Atlanta, you've been able to pick on all season long. Atlanta should be putting up points in this one. They have it as Jacksonville with only a 19.25 team implied total. That's not great, but if you give yourself an extra touchdown or so on the ground with Minshew in this matchup, uh, Atlanta right now, although their pressure was getting a little bit of a steam after their bye for a week or two, they still rank below average in pressure rates. Will Greer at 4,300. He's facing the Colts. He's just dirt cheap, so he's worth it, in my opinion, at least in cash. A plus 6%, so positive 6% pass blocking advantage. Indy allows 264 yards per game to quarterbacks. It's about it's around average, but the point to make there is even if he hits that average number, or a little bit below it, just call it 250 since he might be a below average quarterback. That's 10 fantasy points right there without even getting in the end zone. And who knows if he has any rushing upside. If this guy gives you 20 yards on the ground, that's huge. So at 4,300, at least in cash, I think it's very viable. Indy also ranks 19th in pressure, 15th in overall coverage. Lamar Jackson at 8,000. This week, he's sort of a secondary option for me. Probably end up getting him in that group of players. Usually, I have a couple quarterbacks around 12 to 15%, one around 10%, and then the rest are like 8%, 6 to 8. He's probably in that 6 to 8% bucket. I just want to play him. I don't want to play Mark Andrews. Some Hollywood Brown is okay to stack with Lamar, but... At this point, with a 28.75 team implied total, they're always playing in some of the slowest paced games because of the way that they play, run the ball a ton. Against Cleveland, it's fine to get to Lamar. The guy's averaging 29 fantasy points per game. Even if he gets below that and it gives you 27, 28, at 8,000, he's still fine. And there's a ton of, ton of just natural quarterback or natural wide receivers that are cheaper and tight ends this week that I think you can get to it. I'm just not going to prioritize him. And then lastly, Dwayne Haskins. This one I don't feel good about. I've been just not a fan of Dwayne Haskins. He's only thrown more than... 30 times once all year. They really don't want him to. Last week, he looked good against the Eagles, but he gets a better matchup this week as the Giants are bottom five in pass rush and bottom five in secondary coverage. Again, no Janoris Jenkins. It really makes him maybe one of the worst, if not the worst secondary in the entire league. Uh, he's $4,700. 3 to 5% Dwayne Haskins seems okay. He's coming in at like 2% owned. I don't have to get a ton of it. Me putting Dwayne Haskins on a maybe list, don't put in the comments, oh my God, you're going to play a ton of Dwayne. No, if I'm playing 100 lineups, I'm going to have three with Dwayne Haskins. I feel okay doing that against, um, in my opinion, the worst secondary in the entire league with a really bad pass rush. Let's get over to running back. Uh, before we get over to running back, just be sure once again to check out down below in the uh, comment section, who is your favorite 6K or your, not even that, who is your, who is your favorite overall um, quarterback on the slate since we just got done with them. You have to be a subscriber and hit the notification bell to be qualified for a $25 giveaway on this video alone. Check that out down below or make sure to get into that. If you're listening on the audio version, you can leave a review. Uh, running backs, Christian McCaffrey went from a, a maybe to a yes, but he's still kind of a maybe for me. He's at the bottom of my yeses, I would say, or around there. Look, price is the only question here for his quarterback play. If Will Greer is a worse quarterback than we think that he might be or worse than average, well, then that gives their chances of scoring touchdowns a lot worse than what we knew out of Kyle Allen. If that's the case, to pay off 10,100, McCaffrey doesn't need to score a touchdown, right? He can catch 10 balls for 80 yards, and then he can run for another 90, and he can pay it off with close to a 30-point day. Um, but it's it's still a lot easier to get there with touchdowns, and we just don't know how this offense operates. I think McCaffrey is still fine. Indy gives up the fourth most receptions this year. They gave up the most last year. He has a plus 14% run blocking advantage. I have him projected for 25 touches and the most fantasy points out of anybody on the slate, just a touch under 26. If you want the rest of my projections are on Patreon, I'll link them up above right now i'll try to remember to if not they're linked down below um, so mccaffrey's fine at 10,100. he's just probably not a priority on this slate because of the question marks around his um status i got 15 percent of him on my first crunch he was about 17 and a half percent 
owned in the last ownership update. Saquon Barkley, run blocking advantage of positive four. Washington's banged up. Still Kerrigan. I have to check his status, but he missed the last game. Got hurt in the Packers game before that. Probably at least at, at best questionable this week. Uh, they have banged up defensive linemen. They're in 29th run defense. Seventh in tackling is nice. I have Saquon projected for 23 touches. $8,300 is just too good of a price point for a guy facing a banged up defense that just gave up, gave up like career games to Boston, Scott, and Miles Sanders. And then the game before that gave up um, one of them, I believe, uh, close to a career game for Aaron Jones. Joe Mixon against Miami is a smash spot, in my opinion. Run blocking advantage of negative 11% doesn't really matter to me all that much because he's seeing 23.6 touches per game over the last seven. 23.6 touches per game over the last seven. I mean, that's Christian McCaffrey-type numbers. It's not even just opportunity. It's touches. Miami ranks dead last in yards per game to running backs, 125.9, and attempts at 27.4. So they're giving up the most attempts on the season, and you get the guy in Joe Mixon over his last seven who's getting the most touches outside of McCaffrey per game over the last seven. Great spot at 6,600, and he's actually, I believe, a favorite in this one. Uh, Marlon Mack at 6,200. Marlon Mack's like 2 or 3% owned right now. It has to come up. Look, I don't love him because he doesn't catch the ball, so I don't want 20% of him, but I got 10% three times the field right now, a little bit more. Carolina's dead last in DVOA versus the run over the last eight games. They gave up 23 rushing touchdowns this year. That's nine more than anyone else, so their red zone defense against the run is just atrocious. Overall, it's atrocious. It's a plus 47 run blocking advantage. The last time I saw a number that high was plus 48% for the Eagles against Washington, where Miles Sanders goes off and Boston Scott is a good game. Carolina gives up the second most yards per game, so running backs at 123.3. Marlon Mack, he's third game back from an injury. The last game was a blowout. The game before that, he faced Tampa in a return, so he's probably limited. I would have Marlon Mack for somewhere around 18 touches in this game and a really good matchup. Austin Eckler is a yes for me, but only for GPPs. I don't want him in cash. He's leverage off of Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, last time I checked, was the highest projectedly owned player on the slate, around 25%. I don't want that. Their offensive line is so bad that trying to rely on Melvin Gordon at a quarter of the field's lineups to do well is something that I don't want to do. You, yeah, he's cheap, but he's cheap is what gives you the edge when the ownership comes up a ton on a bad player who is cheap. It doesn't give you an edge anymore. Um, so just give me the 6.5 targets per game out of Eckler. He's leading the entire league with 1.42 fantasy points per touch. That is insane. Again, I like it for GPPs. DeAndre Washington opened up because of Josh Jacobs going out. They're six and a half point underdogs, which is worrisome, but he's only $4,000. The Chargers rank 30th in tackling and 19th in rush defense. So it is a positive matchup. And he did see six uh, receptions for 43 yards on seven targets in the last game where Jacobs two games ago missed and that was a game that they were trailing pretty big so it was nice to see that they went to him instead of Rashard as a pass catching back he saw 20 total, total touches in that game and 21 opportunities I do like him a lot it's gonna be hard to get away from him Secondary interest, Nick Chubb is only 1% owned last time I checked against a Ravens team that drinks 16th against the run I'll happily have more than 1% owned league leading rusher top three top five running back in the league at, at worst this year Nick Chubb averaging over 19 fantasy points per game you saw it last week they were trailing for most of the game he still puts up 150 total yards and a touchdown the guy's just incredible scored a 33 yarder last week Chris Carson at 10 percent seems about right 10 point favorite at home who I've projected for 22 touches he's expensive so that's what's holding down the ownership and that's what's holding down my overall interest in him from not being a yes. Alvin Kamara, I'm close to just putting him as a no. Look, he's 20% owned. He's a top 3% owned player on the slate right now. I would happily have half of that, if not less. He's breaking 80% less tackles since his injury. Uh, Tennessee does give up the third most receptions in the league to running backs, and he's only scored a touchdown in week three, where he scored two, I believe, that week. Um, so he's due for the regression. It's just uh, it's not a spot that I want to pay for the ownership on him. I think 7,500 is a fair price point. If the ownership comes down, I'll be much more happy to get to him. But at 20%, I think there's better plays around his price range, a little bit higher and a little bit lower. 
Leonard Fournette at 7,200 is one of those better plays, but his ownership is at 22%. You're just going to get a lot of work out of him. Atlanta middle of the pack and run defense. Some injuries have made them a little bit worse than they were at the beginning of the year when they were like a top eight run defense. Fournette, I have projected for 24 total touches. He's going to get his receptions. I have projected for four and a half in this game. So it's a good spot. I prefer him over Kamara. Philip Lindsay at 5,300. I was surprised to see ownership coming in on him around 16%. I just, I will see what happens once DeAndre Washington is factored into that. I hope it comes down because I do have a lot of interest, but not that much. Detroit just lost Mike Daniels, who, if you were watching the Detroit Lions for about five or six weeks without Mike Daniels in the beginning to middle part of the season, they were one of the top three worst run defenses in the league. He came back for five weeks or so, and they became one of the better run defenses in the league. He is that good. Seven point home favorite for Lindsay. I'm projecting him for at least 18 touches with the upside of 20, so we'll call it 18 to 20. Uh, Detroit ranks 30th in pass rush, and that's important because Royce Freeman usually comes on the field more when there's a good pass rush and when it's in pass rush situations like on third downs. If they don't have a good pass rush and there's really no worry for uh, the Broncos to think they're going to get to uh, Drew Locke all that much, I think Royce Freeman comes off the field a lot more. That's what you saw in previous games. Um, and then also this last one, Miles Gaskin. Look, I don't want to play Miles Gaskin, so let me let me get this point across. Um, I have Miles Gaskin here as an X just so I remember to talk about him. I don't want any Patrick Laird. You guys are still owning him at 13%. I don't understand. So Miles Gaskin was a six-round pick that they spend the draft pick on. Uh, Patrick Laird was an undrafted free agent. So there's actual incentive to put Miles Gaskin on the field, and there's only two games left in a, di- in a dead season, so why not? In my opinion, the reason why Patrick Laird was staying on the field more two games ago, 80% of the snaps, was for pass protection. This guy's really good at that. Last game, the Giants have no pass rush. Bottom five pass rush in the league. What do you see? You see a lot more Miles Gaskin. He ends up running more routes than Patrick Laird. He ends up playing similar snaps to Patrick Laird. I like that. So what do you get this week? Only get the Bengals, who have just as bad of a pass rush, bottom eight in the league as the Giants. And what is that going to lead you to? Well, it's going to lead you to more Miles Gaskin because when he's on the field, he's a liability to the quarterback because he can't pass protect. But if the defense just can't get to the quarterback, well, then it doesn't matter. So Miles Gaskin, he's going to continue to see touches. If you ask me right now who I would rather play in a GPP, it would be $3,800 Miles Gaskin over $4,600 Patrick Laird. Gaskin's like 1% owned and Laird is like 14% owned. I don't want to play Gaskin in a GPP but I would much rather play him over Patrick Laird this week. I'm going to have zero Patrick Laird and feel really good about that. Wide receivers this week. There's a lot, but this is the least I've ever had 19 on a list on an 11 game slate. It's just very compressed player pool right now. I'll have a little bit more than this come Sunday based on injury news, but Julio at the top, a plus 20% matchup against Trey Herndon. Love that. I have him projected for 12 targets and that even seems low. He has a 32, 34.2% target share of air yards without Ridley and Ridley was in the mid to high 20s. So this guy's just going to pick up about 45 to 50% of the air yards in this offense. It's pretty crazy. $8,000, not a ton of receiver options to pay up for. He's the clear-cut one for me. He's coming in at 20% ownership. That makes a lot of sense. Devontae Parker at 6,800. I talk about how I like Fitzpatrick. I love Devontae Parker in this spot. 5.8 receptions per game for 105 105.2 yards per game in his five full games without Preston Williams, excluding week 14 when he got injured, right? BW Webb in coverage this year. I've touched on it before on this channel and the Awesome channel. BW Webb in coverage. He's moved from a slot cornerback to an outside cornerback in those eight games. 122 passer rating against one of the worst cornerbacks in the entire league. He's much more comfortable in the slot, but out of necessity, they're putting him on the outside. Now he has to face a red hot superstar breakout year, Devontae Parker, wide receiver. Uh, that's not going to be fun for him. I want a lot of Devontae Parker. Keenan Allen's currently the highest projected owned wide receiver on the slate. That might change, but I think it's fine. Like 22%, the guy's been so consistent, and he's too cheap. Last time out against LaMarcus Joyner in the slot against Oakland, eight receptions on 11 targets for 68 yards. He was playing banged up in that game and still put up 15 points, playing somewhat limited snaps. 9.3 targets per game is hard to ignore, and the field isn't ignoring it. Tyler Boyd, it's likely to have Jamal Wiltz on him, which is going to be the fourth best advantage on the weekend in the slot. A positive 32% advantage is what they're giving it over in 
um, over on PFF. So I think Boyd's in play. I think Joe Mixon's in play for run back options. You get yourself Fitzpatrick, you get yourself Devontae Parker, maybe another Miami Dolphin that we'll talk about on the tight end section, hint, hint, run it back with um, Joe Mixon and potentially Tyler Boyd. Amari Cooper, I like a lot, but again, track Dak Prescott here is a positive 33% advantage versus Jalen Mills, top five advantage on the weekend. He's dealing with injuries, which is the concern, but last week I don't look at it a lot. Dak only threw 23 times, only two targets for Cooper, three for Gallup. They were up, they had 28 points, I believe. They were up four scores at half, so the actual pass attempts were as half as what they usually are for Dak, so I don't look too much into last game. Michael Gallup, his teammate, I like him at a plus 30% advantage versus Darby. Deontay Johnson tracked Juju's status. He only has one less target in four games without Juju than James Washington. He's only running two less routes per game, and he's $600 cheaper. I prefer Deontay Johnson, um, not as a priority anymore, but to James Washington. DJ Shark has been practicing limited this week. Oliver over the last uh, six games for the Falcons. Isaiah Oliver, the outside cornerback who would face Shark. He's been facing most teams number one. He's given up eight, the eighth most yards per game over the last six games, ninth most receptions. That comes out to 53 receptions for 679 yards and three touchdowns. Christian Kirk, I'll only have some interest in nowhere near the 15% ownership he's getting right now. I only have some interest if Griffin misses for this one, then it's a much better matchup with no Conjure Diggs in the secondary. This is a spot where if there's no Shaq Griffin for Seattle, you can see some big plays on the outside for Kirk like you saw in his three touchdown week. If Griffin's in there, it can very much be a shutdown matchup. So if Griffin's out, I'll probably have around 10, 12% of Kirk still be under the field. If Griffin's in, probably have like three to 4%. Jamison Crowder, James Washington, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, those guys in the 5400 to $5,200 range, none of them are priorities. Crowder's in a brutal matchup against Mike Hilton, primarily slot cornerback for Pittsburgh. They're going to just try and force Crowder the ball, but with the price point coming up or staying around um, what it should be, maybe a little high for the matchup, it's not a priority. Same thing for James Washington. Marquise Brown I would have in some stacks against Greedy Williams and um, Denzel Ward on the outside, some stacks with Lamar, but nothing major. These guys are like Crowder, Washington, and Brown, probably something that I get like two to five percent of at most mike williams i do like oakland gives up the top five fifth most right now on big plays or the top five in big plays which is 20 plus yards and mike williams is top five in big plays for wide receivers which is 20 plus yard plays so i like that at five thousand he has 10 percent ownership at five thousand dollars which is one of his higher price points in a while usually around the mid 4k range so the price is coming up ownership's coming up in a good matchup but it's a little bit scary i probably don't get as much as the field russell gage at 4400 he ran 40 routes or 39 routes last week i think he's okay to get back to john ross at 4200 another option to stack in that game again i prefer Mixon, boyd and then john ross Terry McLaurin at 6,200. I have slight interest in Dwayne Haskins. McLaurin, for some reason, is still only like 3% projected ownership. He has a number two overall matchup on the weekend against DeAndre Baker. I mean, I know the reason. It's because Dwayne Haskins is his quarterback, and they really don't let Haskins throw more than 30 times. They've done it once, and they're really hesitant to let him do that. So uh, I don't have a ton of interest in McLaurin at 6,200, but he's a number one receiver in probably, again, the top two matchup on the weekend, a top five matchup you could find all year against DeAndre Baker. I would argue it's the best matchup you could find. And he's an explosive receiver, so a 6,200, maybe some confidence from Haskins after last week. I'm okay getting there. Danny Amendola is the only thing I would touch at 4,900 versus Denver this weekend for Detroit. He's seen 29 targets since Blau took over. That is eight on Thanksgiving, eight two weeks ago, and 13 this past week. I don't think it's a priority at all because the price point has come up, and Denver has been very good in their secondary, especially at limiting touchdowns. But if you did want some sort of slot cornerback, you can go there. I think this next guy is a better slot cornerback for cheaper. Well, not better overall, but maybe he is one day, but cheaper. Hunter Renfro has been practicing. Keep an eye on this. He might not play at all, but he's $1,300 cheaper than Danny Amendola. He probably doesn't see the downfield targets that Amendola is going to be forced into this week with no Marvin Jones again or Hawkinson, but Renfro at 3,600, it seems like uh, he was picking up steam with Carr before Carr or before Renfro got hurt, and he seems to be a guy that uh, Carr really does like throwing to, so him getting back out there against Desmond King, who's having a down year uh, for the rookie, 
for Hunter Renfro, the rookie. I think it's a decent spot. And then lastly, Christian Blake. Christian Blake is 3,100 for Atlanta. He's the guy who on Thanksgiving had a really nice day in place of Julio. He ran 40 routes last week and played 85% of the snaps, only saw one target and had zero yards, or zero receptions and zero yards. Well, it's because Julio saw 20 targets. I don't think that's going to happen again. If Julio goes down to just, say, even 14 targets, I think it bumps Blake up to somewhere around six, seven targets at 3,100 against a bad Jacksonville defense. We already said dead last in tackling, 30th in pass coverage. Christian Blake is taking over for Ridley. Ridley, another week out there, another week of practice with Matt Ryan. I actually like Christian Blake. He's a sneaky option to put into stacks because he's so cheap. You get Matt Ryan, Julio, and Christian Blake. You run it back with, I don't know, Leonard Fournette or whoever might be Shark on the other side if he plays. I think that's a nice spot because he's so dirt cheap. And I do think he's viable. He's running 40 routes, or he's going to run 40 routes if Ryan drops back 40 times against this bad of a defense. It's going to get better, but people don't realize that because they just saw last week no receptions on one target, but he ran 40 routes. He was out there a ton. Let's get to tight end. Um, lastly, I don't have notes on the tight end page, but lastly, if you have any questions over on Patreon, I have exclusive content. And again, I am running a Christmas sale for my NFL DFS course and heading into the playoffs. Um, it's usually $150. I have it for 100 or I think it's $110 off for $40 right now. So if you want to take advantage of that Christmas sale, let me know in the comments down below, but I'll also link it up down below in the description. So check that out. It's $100 off the daily fantasy course that I have. I think so far we've had like 100 people purchase that. So be sure to check that out. It's a pretty good course that I put a lot of work into, and I'll be making one for the NBA as well. Independent content creator here, just trying to add an increase to different ways of um, getting out the information that I have. So thank you so much. Going over to tight end, somewhat of a tighter player pool. I might even make it a little bit more tighter. Zach Ertz, I have concerns about in double teams. I have him as a yes right now, but there's a good chance I come in under the field. 15% field ownership. He's a great tight end, so it's easy to get a lot more than that. But I am really concerned. Last time, Dallas double teamed him with great efficiency. So that's my concern. Darren, and you saw last week, even Washington took him away for an extent, only 50% catch rate, five catches on 10 targets. Had a good game because he fell in the end zone, but even Washington double teamed him. There's just no one else that you should fear. Greg Ward is not going to scare any teams. So that's why Greg Ward got open a little bit because Zach Ertz was double teamed in the middle of the field. Darren Waller is my primary payup option here. Uh, the Chargers, they just have not been great in the secondary. They've improved since getting healthier. But Waller's in line right now for me for eight targets, and I would not be shocked to see that number go higher. Mike Gusecki is one of my favorite overall tight ends on the slate at 3,600. The guy's been averaging. He has not had less than five targets in seven straight games. He's had six or more targets in six of those seven games. He's been used out wide in the red zone as a wide receiver all over the field. And just coming off of an eight-target game, his price point drops $400. I don't understand why. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick loves throwing to him. This team, again, 40.2 pass attempts per game over the last five games. They love throwing the ball. I love the idea of Fitzpatrick, Parker, and Gusecki stacks and running back with your choice of Mixon, Boyd, and, and Ross in that order. I really do like Mike Gusecki in all different types of lineups. Again, fastest-paced game. Secondary options, Hunter Henry, I think he's fine. I'd probably get around the 15% ownership he's coming in, maybe a little bit more. Jack Doyle, I'm not thrilled about. He's expensive for a guy who, look, everybody wants to jump up and down, like like Eric like Eric Ebron being out is a big deal. Jack Doyle was playing 75% of the snaps anyways without Ebron out, right? He's probably running now like an extra six to eight routes, and he's probably seeing like an extra target a game because there's no Ebron. That's nothing crazy, right? Nothing to be instead of a, a $4,000 tight end, 4500 or especially picking up ownership at the 12 to 15% clip. Not a ton of interest. Austin Hooper was the highest owned tight end in the, in the 20% range. I get it. He's super cheap. He should be $1,000 more expensive at least in a 26.25 team implied total. I do like Hooper, but not to that extent. I'll likely come in 15, 16, 17, 18%. So I think he's fine. Uh, Dallas Goddard at 4,100. I think he's fine there. Greg Olson at 3,900 has cleared the protocol. So RIP Ian Thomas, but we got Greg Olson back. So I'm fine with that. Jacob Hollister at 4,200. I have no interest in him. 
He's picking up a lot of ownership than he should, more than he should. I haven't projected for five targets. I get it. Arizona, they're giving up 20.2 fantasy points per game to tight ends, six more than any other team on the slate. I get it. They've been really bad, right? That's the whole thing on DFS Twitter. If you follow anybody, follow me at Salvatore DFS. But that, I mean, it's a flowchart defense, but projecting a guy for five targets at 4,200, it's tough to really get there. Even if he has two catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown, what's that doing for you? So I get it. He's probably going to end up scoring a touchdown because this is just what happens this year, but um, it's it's something I'm not going to pay for. That's where I'm at right now. That's it. These are the final thoughts for the NFL Week 16. I'll leave this on the target offense sheet for everybody to just view, and we can close this one out. But thank you. Be sure to enter the contest down below. Who's your favorite quarterback on the day? You have to be a subscriber, and you have to hit the notification bell. Both free things to do. You check that out. Get into a contest for $25. If you're still listening on the audio version, you can just leave a five-star rating and review with the answer to that question and a way for me to contact you, Twitter, PayPal, whatever it might be. I will pick a winner come uh, Monday after, or actually after the Sunday slate locks. So check all that out. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Follow me on my social medias, Instagram, Sal Vetri, and then Twitter, Sal Vetri DFS. Patreon exclusive content is linked up down below. And be sure, be sure, be sure to get into the fantasy draft free rolls, okay? So go go on into those free rolls linked up down below right now. They're free to enter. Uh, and you just get tickets to end the NBA contest on Wednesday, Saturday slate if you're watching in time, and then the Sunday slate if you're not. Uh, be sure to get into those. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. You all rock. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.